All right, all you working class heroes out there, welcome to Book Record Beer. This is season four, episode eight. Remote holy, cast. Holy moly. What'd you say? Remote cast. Oh, remote cast. Exactly. That's a good. Remote cast four. Good little asterisk to put up there. Yeah. Remote cast four. So uh, this is brought to us by one of our good buddies, part of the trifecta here, uh, Mr. Nick Gregorio. Oh, hi, everybody. I, I put this show together. This is mine, and it's the best one we've done. <laughs> Even though we haven't done it yet. <laughs> wow. I cannot wait to get into it. I have typed I have typed notes, so this might oh, actually look at you. Shit. Like on a typewriter notes. Yeah, I got my typewriter serviced because I it's listen, they're doing strange things. We're in week like thirteen now and I'm just you know st- I hung a Captain America life size cardboard cutout in my basement. We're all uh, do you talk to him? He talks to me. I don't know if he listens, though. We're all we're all in a weird place right now. I think uh, today, especially, and uh, the guy the guy who's servicing typewriters and and typing his notes like he's William Faulkner Manifesto. is none other than uh, Daniel DeFranco. Click click clack clack clickety clackety clickety click click clack. That's weird. That's what it sounds like in my dining room. <laughs> that, that's what it sounds like when you. I thought you were gonna say like. Those are literally the D A N I E L keys when struck. That's what it sounds like. Jeez, <laughs> it's like it's like some weird Morse code, but it's like what you know. You know t- what? I want to sample mine and have each key be a different key. Well, different typewriters, uh, they're gonna have different uh, mouth feels <laughs> <laughs> or so, ear feels for the. <laughs> That now that you're mentioning that, let's uh, let's talk about what we're we're gonna talk about here today. Um, yeah, Nick, you have you have picked a uh, a pretty interesting cast. I said working class heroes because I feel like that's a that's a general tie for for the uh, the majority of this this cast and the things chosen here. Um, yes, sir. You know, I I think yours yours was largely like uh, you know. Work a day inspired art that you were that you were going for here, and and we start with Larry Brown's On Fire memoir. Yes, sir. Um, and then you picked, uh, and I hope I pronounce this right, Alcoa. Alcoa, yes, sir. Uh, their debut album, Bone and Marrow. Hold on, hold on, uh, hold on. So you were making sure that you were saying Alcoa right, but then you said debut. <laughs> 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 all right just all right no just hey thanks for thanks for putting a fork in that one um absolutely <laughs> just just hanging by a thread today <laughs> hanging by a fucking thread uh that might have been the the razor blade to strip it clean um, the uh the final piece of the puzzle here is of course workhorse brewings um, wait, you threw a curveball. What is the one that we're going to do, actually? We're doing um, their – It's as far as I know, it's the only craft light beer ever created. It is <laughs> literally designed to take the place of Coors Light in your cooler. Uh, it's called Pure. It's new. There you go. Um, we were going to do uh, the American Pilsner, but it is extraordinarily popular there, and they have no more at the moment. So Yeah. 
this is a very Americana cast, so that would have made yes, made sense. But uh, no, no worries there. I'm actually I'm doubling uh, that beer with a Founders All Day IPA. Uh, nice, you know, just as well as others. Uh, <laughs> given the day, etc. etc. De beer. <laughs> um, so let's uh, let's jump in here. Um, before yes, we get into on fire, I did want to. You know, do my my little thing here where I introduce these folks and uh, to the folks, which are you. If I were to introduce these guys as working class heroes, uh, Nick, you would be introduced. I would introduce you as Mike Ness. Um, oh, man, I love that. Largely because, you know, he's uh, the lead singer of Social D, when he, which is largely a punk band i think you know has always been oh, yeah. regarded as such they have that sort of like um alt country i guess kind of feel to them at times their covers yep. betray that a bit um but then you also have him going off on his own as mike ness and he does yeah he like literally covers johnny cast and shit so i thought that was good and also um you know he keeps it punk but uh isn't afraid to throw on some eyeliner to keep with the times too so there's and he's a, not afraid to punch a Nazi in the teeth. Right. That's that's probably the best uh, I've seen of him recently, um, which is f- fucking awesome. That video. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was like an older video, too, right? It resurfaced. Well, I mean, he's done it many times. <laughs> yeah. I think he's been thrown in jail for it, as a matter of fact. Well, you know what's funny is when that video started uh, circulating, and for anybody that hasn't seen it or doesn't know, you know, it's just literally a, a video of, of Mike Ness. While well, he's performing with Social D, correct? Yeah, on stage. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and there's the this dude, pretty much like yelling Nazi shit in the in the crowd. Yeah. He calls him up, uh, and then he just he just rocks him in the in the jaw. Um, yeah. Lane Staley did the same thing. There were, when that video of Nest was like circulating. There's one of of Lane Staley like literally doing the same thing. He, like reaches out. He actually pump fakes the shit out of the guy and like pretends to be cool <laughs> with him. And then right when the guy <laughs> gives him his hand, he pulls him up and just rocks him. Right in nice. The, right in the nice. Face. Um, so that's that's yours. Uh, Daniel. Love it. Mm-hmm. The working class hero I have chosen for you should probably come as no surprise, but it is uh, one Charles Bukowski. Um, and Interesting. I have, I, have, uh, I have chosen Bukowski for a number of reasons, not the least of which being that um, he like he is in it and 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 living it and and deeply appreciating uh, and, and, and thoughtfully considering the the. Uh, the in it that he is um and and his writing reflects that and uh you know like we like we said you know this uh this results in him pushing the uh entire i would say whole of of american literature that little bit that little bit further and uh you know that's that's a difficult thing to do and i also love this quote by him um which is uh it was it was it was somewhat i think joking but also deadly serious and he was like um uh responding to someone asking him if he puts himself in stories or if the protagonist is him in stories and different things like that and he goes he goes "Uh, fuck yeah and (laughs) and and, and, (laughs) that's uh, what he said fuck yeah and and and, well that's the the essence that i'm conveying of it uh but he goes he goes i'm the hero in all my stories um you know and, and 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 that I thought was was pretty pretty cool because it, it kind of speaks to like w- why one writes and what one sees and stuff like I appreciate that. Appreciate so, that's that's uh, uh that's high praise. I appreciate that. I don't know 
if I'm pushing the art forward, but I uh, I appreciate it. Um, I think that uh, there have been there have been many road trip and 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 music uh, touring novels and and things put forward. You look at every fucking sitcom, every children's TV show. They always make a band at some point. They mm-hmm. always try and 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 write that and very rarely does anybody write that properly or give it any sort of like actual footing in reality and 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 get to the sort of like the core of, of what it means to be in a band and do that so i thought that was a uh, and i did and i did that so okay i'm on you did board it. you lived it and you yeah. did it that's i mean that's essentially <laughs> what i'm saying you lived it and you did it you lived it and you did it <laughs> I'll take that. I actually picked up a Bukowski book today. I mean, I didn't buy it, but I picked it up off of the shelf. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I drove past the Barnes & Noble after I hit up Lowe's, and, and they were open. And Barnes & Noble's open? Yeah, the one in the Metroplex. And I haven't been in a no bookstore shit. in ages. And I was like, well, I got I to gotta go in. So of I spent, spent about an hour just wandering, picking up things, putting them back down. Uh, wow. I can't believe they're open. How many people were in there? Dude, I was I was like I was like a, I was like a kid in a candy store. There was right. nobody. Ah. I was just I was like sound of music down the aisles. The Walden books of our youth. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, so um Nick Mahalik, um I'm gone on the fly here, man. I, I usually ask you these beforehand so I have like a couple minutes to think, but I did not this time. If you were to be introduced as a working class hero, I'm giving you Andy Dufresne. From Rita Hayward and the Shawshank Redemption. Yes. Oh, I love it. I love it. And the reason is, um, you know, I I I can. I might not love this. You don't want to know the reason? I said I might not love this. Of course I want to know it. Oh, okay. Well, here's the reason. Um, And I could see why some of the boys take you for snobby. You have a quiet way about you, you have a walk and a talk that just wasn't normal around Roxborough. You, sh- you, you stroll like a man in a park without a care or while you're in the world. Like you have an invisible coat on that'll shield you from, from rocks, bro. <laughs> yeah, Nick, I think it would be fair to say I liked you from the start. I <laughs> <laughs> oh, applaud you. What a pull quote. <laughs> Nicely done. <laughs> Hell yeah. Jesus. You upped the, up the game of these introductions now. Now we're going to have to be thinking about quotes to pull the fucking tie it in. Soon you're going to be needing to sing songs and <laughs> yeah. put on a one-act show. He gave us beers on a rooftop, and for a moment we felt like free men. And that bastard even managed to sound magnanimous. <laughs> That's the worst Morgan Freeman impersonation I think that, we both, well, that anyone's ever done. Collectively, easy. collectively fucked it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Nice. All right, I didn't try it. Don't you lump me in with collectively. I mean, as a pair, we fucked it. Uh, yeah, that's right. You could probably do a good go. one, so, Nick. You got a deep voice. Let's. Uh, uh, I can't do that. I don't think I can. I can do uh, Alan Guinness, but no. <laughs> no, that's not not where we're at. Moving on. Nope. <laughs> yeah, let's get into this, man, because um, you know it's it's interesting how, and I am trying to make a mental note to not use or overuse that word, but. Um, I do find it very, very interesting. If you read the the afterword, or if your version of the book had the afterword, the uh, the what is it called? The it, he called it something else, actually, not an afterword, but like a. a my copy didn't have the acknowledgement. Oh, really? Yeah, nope, mine I have had the, a, uh, the old hardcover, first edition, baby. All right, brother. Wait, do I have the same book as you? Ooh. Yeah, buddy. Oh, first edition, nice. Is it a first edition? Yeah, I think so. 
Might not be a first print. It was called The Appreciation, actually, by Dwight Gardner. So Dwight Gardner writes this thing at the end, um, and he calls and he kind of calls out all the critics who have who have uh, lumped this book in as grit lit. And the book we're talking about is the memoir from Larry Brown uh, called On Fire. And so Larry Brown is 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 you know pretty much known as this as this working class guy who's uh, you know was a marine, becomes a firefighter, and then eventually quits. Um, being a firefighter after 16 years to to write full time um he just decides to be a writer by the way he like he was never well yeah and never the book, went to school for it uh he, didn't he even go, like he doesn't go to college yep nope he's just he just wanted to tell stories and he learned how to do it um by reading and, <laughs> and then studying. he just got he just got better and and better at it and it's and it's it's funny too because i think uh, and I don't want to be presumptuous, but I feel like at least the three of us here might have similar experiences or thoughts on that. Like, yes, we do all have an MFA, but 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 that really just teaches you how to navigate the industry a little bit. And and right. in my experience, it was more that and, and and sort of some some of the some of the um, technical and 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 not even stylistic, but more like uh, nuts and bolts of, of, of the writing process that, that needed to be cleaned up here and there, you know, that kind of thing. Yep. Uh, but, but writing and storytelling, I should say, uh, and even poetry, um, that's something a little bit more innate, and that comes largely from reading. And so I think he has this very sort of natural way. And when you look at our, our sort of heroes in the literary community and the, the literary world, um, many of them follow a similar path. You know, they're, they're, they're not these these classically trained uh you know sort of like literary gods or something like that you, you know what i mean so um it, it's interesting uh to see that this is this is how he gets lumped in because i don't necessarily think that that's and and you know of course uh gardner says the same that that this grit lit or whatever is is suitable or fitting for him um because i think there's a thoughtfulness there that that goes beyond that. I think in fact his own prose betrays him a bit at times um yeah yeah um and, and certainly his novels are um are particularly violent um and dare I say gritty but there there's a level of uh nuance that uh that I found in his work that uh, it doesn't feel like he is necessarily trying to make something dark or make something gritty. He just right. wanted to make a really write a really good story, and it just happened to have violence in it. Let me let me give you a line. This is one that really stuck for me. It's one of the it's it's towards the end of the memoir, but he goes, um, "The sky gray like steel and one solid color, a snow sky," and it's like real short, real simple. I mean, he's using these images of, of, of grayness and, and steel and all these things that you could associate with that grit lid or whatever the fuck you want to call it. Um, yeah. But that's a real soft feeling to look at a sky and, and know yeah. that it's going to snow and, and sort of feel excited. Like there's excitement in those lines that, that, and, and, and there's, um, there's a, a real sensation uh, of warmth that comes from that. And, and, he's using these images that I think superficially could be related to this grit lit or whatever the fuck you want to say. But, but uh, when you let the words sit for a minute, 
there's there's actually a, a real warmth and tenderness to them um and i I, I found i found that to be throughout this entire memoir and, and just for the listener you know the, the memoir is really sort of a a chronicling of the years of being a firefighter it's called on fire because um you know at, at times as a firefighter you literally are uh and and there's a real focus on adrenaline and these different sort of like aspects of of what it means to be a firefighter and he's getting to the core of of what it means to be a human as well like all good writing usually does and um and this though is, is you know a memoir is the story from a life not the story of a life like an autobiography or something might be uh so this is really i i think meant to chronicle largely those 16 years and then what leads to uh him, him finally saying goodbye you know and 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 leaving the what do you call it you don't call it a forest a squad squad works i suppose yeah yeah so um so yeah so that's what it is that's 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 largely what it is um his his time on the squad so um it's funny because my my father was on the first aid squad uh and i know more about his time on the first aid squad than i do about him he's he's told me more stories about being on the first aid squad the uh, much like this, the the people he had to rescue, you know, there's there's the one that sticks in my head of of this 500 pound person who they had to break the walls of the house down to get them out, uh, and and into the ambulance and stuff like that. And so I I know I it's interesting because I I see a lot of my my father in 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 Brown and and uh, and it was just a very surreal experience to read this and go wow I wonder if his children feel that these are the stories that they know him by as opposed to things that might be a little bit more specific to him and, and what you'd want to know a father like their childhood and, and what makes them them a little bit not that this doesn't but um, this is his particular this is your job you know and this is what you yeah. do so I don't know that was my first initial reaction to it was like uh, seeing that that sort of like overlay um, to my own experience well I, I felt like I, 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 I concur my friend I, I think that's a really good read um, and what he does here is he shows you his very he's a very sensitive man a very uh, thoughtful and feeling man but he yeah. he doesn't he won't tell you that but he'll show you that after he finds dead kittens in a bathtub he'll smoke a cigarette and say we need to be really kind how do we how we break this to these owners yeah. and then the other guy just tells him well they died the, fu- um, the your babies is dead yeah they dead <laughs> um and i think that's exactly what he, he has, said they yeah, dead yeah yeah and it's it's throughout the entire book that you'll have like almost procedural stories of what he does in a fire or how he rescues a person out of a wrecked car um but then he'll talk about animals like they're divine beings. Yeah, 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 yeah. The and, and the deer. I mean, the the hunting yeah. scene is one of the the best scenes I've ever read. When in, when it like that's that's actually a story I've tried to tell myself. Like writing as my father, trying to portray what that is. Yeah. But Larry Brown just went ahead and blew it away. And yeah, you feel the dew in that. Yeah, and and you also feel like this guy's heart broke for killing this thing. Yeah. And at the same time, he was okay with that. Yeah, it was that was like um the story where he doesn't look or seek out the child with the bloodied foot. 
He sees the bloodied footprints and knows that the child's in a, in a bad way and in a bad environment where no one's probably going to care. And he feels for him, but he doesn't, he doesn't go and do it. And I think that is something that we all like, I mean, that's just regret in a, in a, in a nutshell and, and to put it out there had to been, um, that must've been, that must've been tough because you, you're reading an actual person here. Now you're not reading a curated character. And in some ways you are for sure. There's no way not to, but, um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of realness. I mean, the number of times he's, he's drinking behind the wheel. Yeah. is crazy. I mean, it's almost every time he's behind the wheel, and it's not a fire truck, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and he's, like there's he's like drinking. This, yeah, yeah, and that's there's an affection for it, you know. He's like, he he loved going for long drives with a cold beer in his hand. Yeah, and I I can't you know, <laughs> you can't really disagree. Like, growing up in a more rural space too, like I, I it was interesting. It took me back to being a young person, you know. Mm. Um, and and for me, I think it was a little bit more. That was more rebellion. Uh, and and testing the limits of the law and and getting away with something, as opposed and for to for Larry, it was just living. It was it was yeah, and I think Mississippi is way different too. I know my buddy, especially from, in the eighties. Yeah, I know my my buddy's from Memphis, and and he went to Memphis for college and, and reconnected with a lot of his old pals, and and uh, he he would tell me stories. I would call him up pretty much every week, and he'd tell me stories, and and it, it seemed like. It just seemed like anarchy, like absolute <laughs> madness, you know. Um, and so. Brown know, knew that if he got pulled over, nothing was going to happen to him. Right, because he was a firefighter. Everybody. Yeah. Cop yeah, pulls him yeah. over. It's like, oh, you're the, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, definitely. I mean, the the worst of it was like that whole group of them when they went up to the Christmas tree. Yeah. You know, Danny, oh, what, were your, uh, what were your uh, reactions? So I, I really... I like the writing style. I really dug the minimalist, just very simplistic. Um, I mean, his saying it, it's very hard to make something seem as effortless as this is. So I don't want right. to yeah. undermine it by saying simplistic because it's, um, it, takes, uh, it takes work to be comfortable writing like that. And, yeah, and being comfortable with your um. Well, to do it effectively too, yes. where someone's not checking out, because you can write like that, mm-hmm. and people will check out, but you can write like that and do what he did and keep us engaged. Yeah, um, I'm still wrestling with this a little bit. There's a lot to admire about it. Good, good. Let's hear it out. Talk it out with us. But the, I think the persona of Larry Brown. I don't know if I like the guy. And since this right. is a, and since this is I a memoir, so I do have his other work, um, his other book, Dirty Work, that I I need to read, um, and I, I want to read it because I want to I, I like this writing style. I want to hear what he's all about when he's writing pure fiction, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But this is about himself, and right, right. I just, you know, it's it's like porn or douchebags. You know, you know it when you see it, and I just yeah. uh, get this feeling that i don't know if liar brown maybe was actually a good dude i feel like he absolutely cheated on his wife i feel like there's allusions to that every few pages yeah i feel like his political views would not align with mine um right well there's that there's that line about there's nothing better than a good cop when you need one 
Yep. And that yep. that took me and, right out. <laughs> yeah, that would that, that was an unfortunate um bit of timing. I don't um, that dude if I read that if I read that 10 years ago yeah, would have taken me right out. Well, even still. Uh, yes, of course like but reading this during the time we've gone through, you know, there's a hyper awareness as opposed yeah. to just your standard fuck the police. Yeah, so, I mean, I I have a particular experience, so I I definitely have felt very strongly uh, about that for quite some time. But yeah. like, in any case, um, so yeah, Daniel, uh, I, I I echo that because it it is interesting, and I I was wrestling with, and I don't know if you thought it or this was in your head as well, but like, is 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 he is he a sensitive and like quote good guy for for where he is and 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 the group that he surrounds himself with um or or is it that it's not as subjective as all that yeah so i might be this might be a little flippant but you know the most nice uh sincere cocksucker <laughs> it's still a cocksucker, you know? Right. <laughs> um, so I'm yeah. not saying that he's a cocksucker. I, I, I went, after I finished this, I went online. I was just looking. I was trying to find anything bad about the guy, if that stuff existed. Um, right, if somebody really was like, yeah, hey, this guy yeah. sucks. Um, but what I found out is that he died of like a heart attack in his 50s. So yeah, that was kind of unfortunate. Me. Yeah. Um, so it, that guy actually died. He handed in his final novel's draft over a Thanksgiving holiday mm-hmm. um, and said he has about four more chapters and he's going to do it before Christmas. And then he dropped dead. Damn. And that's his posthumous novel, a miracle of catfish wow. that was released. Um, that's unfortunate. Good old, yeah. good old Charles Dickens departure there. Um, or even Vonnegut. Cause Vonnegut's last novel is fucking awesome. And it's like, what six chapters or something yeah. hmm. <laughs> um so so back to uh larry brown i do like the i don't want to call it like a bird's eye view uh help me out here fellas what what is he giving us the super in- detached there we go but it's detached but it's it's on the ground you know you, yeah. you almost forget that he's one of the people in these stories right. yeah it's very at arm's length and it's the style of writing that i think was a was pretty prominent and i guess popular in the 70s and the 80s with guys i guess like larry brown and richard ford and i guess even james salter and probably so many other writers that i just um i don't know about it sure. it, it there's almost like an affect to it um and I'm are you talking about the um Sort of like, uh, uh, the 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 wrapping up, the tying up that he does every so often. Those paragraphs that that sort of like in summation give the they don't give the critical analysis of what he's just given you, but they kind of like do something a little less heavy-handed. Yeah, yeah, that's part of it. The other yeah. part is I think just the aloofness of like. You could really tell that it's the author's voice, 
Like it's the author speaking, and that's it's difficult because this is a memoir. It is the fucking author speaking. Right. So yeah. I'm, you I'm, really can't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Stop really being yourself in your memoir, <laughs> guy. So I really want to see how he writes a work of pure fiction where I'm not, where it's like yeah. the persona of Larry Brown isn't so, you know, just goddamn in your face. You know. Well, sorry. I'll tell you what, Daniel. Just to re, re, just to comment on your is this guy a bad guy or a douchebag? Um, like, may, probably, maybe. And why um, should that really, you know, make me say one way or the other, you know, that I like his right. book or not? But Right. And he, he, he very much reminds me of the type of man my father is. Um, everything's at, at arm's length. And yet you have these moments where he can be sweet and thoughtful and just a real joy to be around and then there's other times where he can just be a dude i want to knock his teeth out so um i think and there's a level of complexity there that i think a lot of men in this generation of my father and your fathers and my and larry brown like these guys they 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 were trained you know what i mean not to be the way we are. Yeah. Right. Um, what, and, if what way are we, Nick? Well, I think we... <laughs> I'm, I'm much more willing to share of myself, mm-hmm. um, of my emotional state, of the way I feel about things. Um, and I am not afraid to be wrong. Um, and I think my, my dad's terrified of being wrong. And even if he is, he won't, he won't fucking say it. There's a lot. <laughs> yeah. so I, yeah, I like I that idea. Can I, can I jump in on that, Nick? Go for it. Yeah. So there's this idea of being wrong. Um, that, that plays a big part in, in this, uh, memoir on fire, because if you're wrong, you're dead in his line of work <laughs> in right. a lot of these things. Wrongness, so, but wrongness is linked with a lack of courage in this. Yes, it's cowardness. Right. Wrongness so, is cowardice. Yeah. Right. So, so thanks, thanks for bringing that up because that, that's what I was talking about. It was like this what kind of, this, <laughs> this second generation kind of fake bullshit Hemingway thing that a lot of these writers like Salter and I do like Salter, um, Richard Ford. I do not care for his writing. I don't know how that guy is where he is. <laughs> I mean, it was. I guess. Oh, I like Richard Ford. I don't think he's great. I like. I him. mean, different times. I guess right. And Larry Brown, there's this, it's like this, I don't know, man. It almost seems put on. Well, well, of course it's put on. Is it though? Like because, it's all artifice. Well, I don't, I don't know that I agree with that because a moment that stuck out for me was when he, he didn't, it's what he doesn't have to say, but he does. Right. So, so what he doesn't have to say is that he's 135 pounds soaking wet. Mm-hmm. You would think of this guy as a fucking chiseled Adonis, the whole book if not for that. But in the first 10 pages, he says he's 135 pounds soaking wet. Yet he's always the guy, mm-hmm. whether it's because of his status or even maybe sometimes it's the size. Like when they go to that burning Christmas tree, he's the dude who has to crawl underneath and shut the valve that's running the propane up into the thing. While he's on fire. Right? <laughs> and he's literally on fire. Yeah. And, and so I think that one of the things that really struck me, it's like one of my first notes here is I was so surprised, not that he, 
is 135 pounds soaking wet, but that he tells us. That he'd admit it. That he'd admit it. Because yeah. that kind of goes in, it flies in the face of what you're saying, right? But because it yeah. really sticks. But it's not. That's another way of swinging dick. I don't think yeah, it is. Yeah, that's like saying, hey, look, I'm 135 pounds, but I'll crawl into a car that has a person cut in half and I'll pull them out. I don't think it is. I think it's meant to, and for me, I read it as, because for someone who's been, I was fucking 55 pounds till I was like 12, you know, I, and, and I, <laughs> I, I definitely, I, I remember being very, very, very aware of that as we started getting older and kids got started bulking up and I was still as skinny as I was in fucking third grade. And, and I remember, I remember that distinctly. And that was, that's not a point of pride. If you are a very skinny person, if, mm-hmm. if you can't hold weight and, and, and build muscle like that. And, and, and I'm not saying like, I'm not fucking patting him on the back for this, but what it alerted me to and what I then zoomed in on were all these sort of more sensitive moments that he reveals because he chose to reveal that very, very, very early on. And you're right. It very well could be this swing and dick thing. Like, even though I'm small, look at this, but I don't get, I didn't, I didn't necessarily get the artifice uh, from those choices after I, for some reason that detail, it, it colored the rest of my read of the entire thing. And it mm. comes on page 10. So it's either very clever swing and dick shit um, <laughs> or it's, or it's something else. Um, and, and what? I don't know mm. really what to say about it because he does throw in that whole big thing with Faulkner near the end. And, 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 Oh, this is what I was going to say that, Daniel, you you made me think of um, when you talk about Hemingway. You talk about these guys. If the idea of courage, you know, right? Yeah, they're Hemingway like jumps into war, mm-hmm. like wants to fight all the time. He is like the 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 thing that that uh, that lack of of fear and sheer terror that I would have in the situations where he thrives uh, is is that that sort of like real stark difference between those generations that have something to hang their hat on to make or break them right they mm-hmm. they have a war they have something that challenged their courage i.e. for some of these guys their manhood right and they rose to the occasion and successfully sort of measured up Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, I looked to my, my grandfathers, they went to war numerous times, right? They did, they did these things that were the line, the very clear line in the sand that you were courageous or you weren't, you did the thing or you didn't. Right. And that's why I look at how we treat Trump because he's a draft dodger beyond him being an actual piece of shit. We give him so much shit for bone spurs yeah, because he's a coward. Right. right. And, and 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 so it's one of those things we our generations, I think, have a tough time looking at this stuff and not wanting to call it artifice, not wanting to call it machismo bullshit. Um, well, but I hmm. think largely th- this dude's this dude's in. In the Marines first, and then it carries into him basically doing something that requires courage at the drop of a hat. So what you're saying is. Get busy living or get busy dying. <laughs> don't tread on me, man. Don't I think don't, don't do it. Don't I don't think, you tread on me. I think Brown <laughs> is I think his intent here was to highlight complexity of a human. 
complexity of a man. Mm-hmm. Um, like he can be a swinging dick, 135 pounds soaking wet dude who crawls into cars and saves people. And at the same time, literally weep over the loss of his pet dog. Mm-hmm. There's. That's a th- great scene. Cause that's, that's coupled with the wreck. Yeah. And, and you have, there's a complexity there that I think is our main issue as a country. The people in the United States are terrified of complexity, terrified of having not one way or the other way, but being both ways and everything in between and not being able to see that or plan for it or even consider the fact that there is no one way of being. And yeah, nuance he, is tough for, for the majority of Americans. That's how I yeah. start every school year is, is by jumping into that. And that's what and that's what I think he was attempting here. He was like, yeah, he's got his his fists on his hips. But at the same time, he's like, uh, like my kitten died and it hurt me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was seeing I was seeing that and, and it made me really think about just like what is because there's always a measuring stick, whether you create it yourself or it's imposed by society. And, and, and that's a thing that I think is inherent to masculinity because inherent to masculinity is also we have no definition other than that which is not feminine. And, and so to be feminine is defined very clearly, right? That is a thing, mm-hmm. right? And we are just not that. So we don't have a, <laughs> a definition. So what we supplant with that is, is these um, wars and, and, these, and these, these, these measures that society constructs for us, to us for us to rise to and, 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 and complete the task or not, like life is a video game. And, um, you know, and that's how you it, earn um, your masculine yeah. badge, you know? I'm so happy you brought that up because have I ever told you who recommended Larry Brown's father and son to me? Your mom. (laughs) Mr. Satire of masculinity, Chuck Palahniuk himself. Oh, really? Yeah. Did you meet him? I wrote a fan letter to Chuck back in 2006 and... He responded. I asked him for a list of books, and Larry Brown's father and son was like number one on it. No and shit. And I bought it. Yeah, and I bought it, and I. That's why I fell in love with this writer. It's why I fell in love with like the Southern fiction as a genre, um, because like you you can you can the you can hear the accent in the words. You know what I mean? Like right, it's yeah. that good, and. It's just so funny that you bring up, you know, how masculinity is anything that's not feminine, but there's no way to define it. So we just fucking fight each other. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's that's Palinic right there. And I mean, yeah. Fight Club specifically. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, that That is that's pretty fucking wild that Palinic turned you on to brown like that that um yeah back before he turned into absolute literary celebrity like he answered every piece of fan mail personally was it an email or um a real letter no it was a letter and he he signed it and he gave me a list of books and then he i had told him i was a college student so he sent me a signed book sock Mm -hmm. 
You know, those like yeah. elastic things you put on textbooks. Um, and he sent me like a, a stuffed, um, like a beanie baby yeah. sort of. Why are we just hearing about um, this now? Yeah, what the uh, fuck? Dude. We had we had a Polonia <laughs> cast like. <laughs> well, we had like five people on that show. You I made didn't fun take... of me for debut, and you just <laughs> said his name. How? I, Palinik. Me? No, oh, Daniel. I just no, Daniel. Oh. I I know you know how to say it. <laughs> <laughs> I just said syllables with an you N. You said Polonic, <laughs> like he was a uh, exercise <laughs> that you could do that involves stretching and breathing. <laughs> In any case, that's that's fascinating, man. Yeah. That's pretty wild. That yeah. really is. Um, let me ask you this, gents. As writers yourselves, this is where I, I, uh, the writing, I think, I want to focus on for a moment. How do you think he chose the order by which he put this book together? Because oh, we're jumping, <laughs> we're jumping constantly, but the fluidity there is like a goddamn bass on a hook man it's crazy <laughs> it's, it's, it really is though i literally kept i don't know why probably because of the imagery that he conjures but like the i kept thinking about fishing when i was thinking about how these mm. stories went with one another um because the 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 weaving seems like it shouldn't work but it's almost like an expertly executed pattern yeah it it, it reminds me of like the how random memory can be and how it can be triggered because I don't know if he sticks to it 100%, but it always seemed to, there'd be a story about a fire or a rescue that was directly informed by uh, a, a death or a crisis or just some random memory of his personal his life. personal life, yeah. Yeah, so it, it was just, it, it just struck me as how like, you know, you smell something and you you have a memory come back to you that you hadn't thought of in 25 years, you know, right. and that's literally what's happening here. He's taking right. you 25 years in the past. He's taking you to present day. I mean, it's wild. You're all over the place, man. And and yeah, I mean, Brown's all over the place with this. Yeah. Um, and you're right. Sometimes they are linked in that way. Like the cat stories but he were doesn't, linked he directly. Doesn't, yeah. Yeah. He doesn't hold because it would get the thing is, and I'm sure we'd all agree. That would get hokey after a while. Sure. To to, yep. to get one hit and know the next one it pretty much was going to, we would know what was coming, you know? Right. And I think that's also how it could uh, be a testament to, you know, his trying to mimic memory because sometimes memories just come up. I was just right. going to say that it's that's how memory works. Yep. But we know as right, this is why I wanted to ask it though. You guys, you're not, you're not digging with me. <laughs> <laughs> I think he did. We're not know, vibing with my vibe, but, but my 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 bros. Um, <laughs> no, but this is but this is what I'm saying, and I'm peeling back the curtain a little bit. So that's the thing is, as I'm trying to peel back the curtain a little bit to the ask process. The, ask the question again in a new way for your uh, right for so your low level learners over here. I'm do- <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing it, and again as writers. We know mm. that he drafted all these stories. They fell, They feel very much like a journal, mm-hmm. mm. right? And so we know he's drafting all these stories, and who knows over what span of time he's drafting them. Because I find, particularly when uh, for memoir, is that oftentimes the writer doesn't intend to write a memoir. They've just been journaling mm-hmm. for the most part. Um, and I wish I could list all the examples of this that I've seen. But it's uh, the number of times I've looked into it, I've been like, oh, man, holy shit, I, he didn't even mean to do this, and he did it, or she didn't, whatever. And um, 
And so we know that he's 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 crafted all these stories at various points. They they weren't written in this order. And and he then arranges them in this way. And so my 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 thought is is do we think this is largely brown? Do we think this is largely an editor for you who have experience? Do we think that this is um something else? Is he trying to curate and craft something um to a particular end by the way he has arranged these stories for us. I think it's him, man. I think he just, he wrote the thing and, um, I mean, all, all the things I said about him personally, you know, that, you know, is still up in the air. It's the, with a question mark. Um, he's a good writer. I think he knows his craft. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. And by the time he came to this memoir, I think that's like, he understands how to tell a story, how to spin a yarn as it were. Yeah, but they're so different. That was the thing that got me is like, I get that they work and I was satisfied at the end that this all went together and I felt a particular way about the piece as a whole and I just wondered, wow, like, this feels like, I guess what I'm looking for, like, did you guys think that there was a lot of intention? Um, yeah. I, I think there was a lot of intention. I, I, See, I, I tend to think that um, a lot of writers are, are similar and that sometimes they just sit down in front of a keyboard and start pecking out a story and then something comes to them and they peck out another story and another and another and another. Okay. And it's, yeah, not yeah, necessarily, yeah. it's not necessarily that he wrote them all separately and put them in an order of his choosing. It was like, this is how they came to him. Okay, I see what you're saying. Because yeah. I felt the former. Because there's repeat and there's... There is. There's like a lot of repeat. There's, there's well, that could be a testament to the editorial process, you know. Uh, and this is Algonquin yeah, books. This isn't like a, you know, it's not some little indie press that's just gonna put stuff out, you know, without right, yeah. much much hands in the pie. Yeah, I guess it was just one of those things where like some of them felt like they like some of them later in the book felt like they were written before ones that appeared earlier in the book. Because mm. I was getting foundational information twice. Mm. Things you'd need to know. Do you know what I mean? Right. Um, and did you guys find it? And, and to that end, and I, we can move past this, of course. This was just something that came up. Yeah, I'm not really sure um, what you want us to say here. What are you digging I, for? I don't want you to say anything. I was just wondering about the curation of the stories because it's essentially a collection of stories. And to me, it felt like they were really intentionally done. And I wondered like what what the purpose was in putting them together the way that he had because i thought he definitely it felt like he certainly had a very heavy hand in putting this together for sure if not complete control so that does and, seem like there was an arc and it definitely ends on a very uh it's not even just the last one just the last couple of little vignettes they get shorter and then it's just like the last one's just a paragraph and it's it's a very yeah. sweet note to end on what it was even which one is that do we think that it's meant to mimic fire? Like, do we think that it's meant to mimic? Because the whole thing is 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 beating it back. It comes back, beating it back. It comes. I mean, it's like a prize fight essentially. The firefighter. That's a really fire. cool. That's a really good, um, really nice. I like that. And by the I end, like you just have this paragraph <laughs> with this one flame that you gotta flicker out, you know, and and extinguish. And it it was also the end of his career. I mean. It must be. It's like going to a show. 
you know, and seeing somebody that you've been performing with for years killing it on stage and you're in the fucking audience. Well, that was you know? one of the best uh, vignettes here is or little. Uh, some of these are vignettes. Some of these are just little, um, little right. micros. Yeah. But that one where it was like his first day or whatever, you know, after he retired. He's and, uh, drinking and driving, pulls over to see yeah. a wreck. <laughs> yeah, like he follows them. He knows yeah. where they're going. Yeah, and he know, mm. and he wants to see who's behind the helmet. You know, mm-hmm. who's who's where, who who who's who's on duty today, and and this that and third. It is, I, I as fucking dorky as it is. When I I quit the grocery store after a decade, I would go back and talk to whoever, and I'd walk back through the employee entrance and just breeze through and, and all this. And there is something to be said. He keeps talking about family and a brotherhood, and that's obviously trial by fire quite literally. But there's there's another thing to be said is the bonds you, you, you develop with people and, and how difficult it is to let go of what's essentially family. I mean, I cried when I decided to leave New York and could no longer play rugby with my my buddies, man, because that's, you know, again, that's like battle. And and you're bleeding, you're losing teeth with people, and and then they're and then they're not there anymore. And so I agree. I really I really strongly felt that, and it just felt like throughout the memoir, he's trying to mimic the the daily battle, and and then he's exploding it and making this it, this very very large thing, and 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 ultimately the battle becomes his own sort of like personal. So the life goal versus this larger thing of 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 I, that's tough, you know. Like, how do you you realize you're saving people's lives? You're doing so much good, but then you're leaving it to write. What a selfish <laughs> endeavor, right? To make mm-hmm. yourself feel good, to because you have to write these stories. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, the, the, how does that? No, because we're talking about machismo. Fuck you, dude. But really, we're talking about a you know a a, a man. Steeped in masculinity from Mississippi, choosing to leave that behind, you know? And I, I feel like what he doesn't tell us and what he doesn't really get into because he's got that wall up for this is is that battle, you know? And kind of we're seeing it playing out in the stories that he chooses. Is like, mm-hmm. man, am I a selfish fuck? Because I have the skills and I have the ability to save people's lives and to help, but I'm choosing to not do that to write in a little room the only (laughs) real foreshadowing of it that we get is when he goes i love my days off i wish every day was a day off yeah you know but he loved them because he got (laughs) didn't he get to spend them like making bacon and hanging out and watching uh making sna on hbo with his buddies no no no. when he's home when he's home absolutely off you know yeah. Um, he's making a patio. He's fucking yeah, me in Mississippi, right. essentially. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, holy house. shit, what? He's like building a patio. And <laughs> there was one thing I'm like, yeah, he builds another room to write. He's off duty and he's building a patio. <laughs> and <laughs> I was like, Jesus Christ. You got Can't my, help himself. Got my number on that. But I don't know. That was... That was just something I kind of walked away with by the end there is is there's a lot of this 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 sort of like tussle or tug of war between what's said and what's unsaid and then what the whole thing is sort of like 
meant to convey and working toward, you know, yeah. and I was, I was struggling mm-hmm. to really put a finger on it because at first I thought it was just about firefighting and just about what it means to be a firefighter because he's illuminating the ignorant public to what actually goes on, you know. And then on the other hand, I go, wait, this might be actually not so much the battle between man and flame, but maybe between writer and, and passion and, and, and creativity and, and artist versus, you know, doing good and, 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 and being a citizen of the world. Yeah, know? this is definitely man versus self here. You know, he's wrestling yeah. with. Uh, with so I, I really kind of I'm, I'm on board with that analogy of of the book being like a fire. I like and it. let me let me tack on to that because there's a <laughs> one of those uh, segments where you know after the fire they've got to go in and, and make sure all the little embers are stamped out, and if yeah. they're not, that fucker will hiding in the floorboards. Yeah, it'll come blazing back a few hours later, and right. um, that that's also how memory works. You know, there's yeah. little things you don't know when they're going to uh, uh, flare up. It could be, you know, there's no there's no reason why. But they do. Oh, that's interesting because it's a scent, and scent is carried on oxygen, right? That's a, yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> this is good. This is a good one, guys. I told you this was the best episode we've done. Yeah. You're welcome. You, haven't, you set the bar. I haven't read my uh, <laughs> my typed uh, notes yet. Oh, we'll get to that. Yeah. All right, yeah. moving on. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I, I don't. I don't have much more to say about on fire. I think I, despite. The tone and everything I said, I do like this book. I think it's worth reading, and I'm more excited to read his fiction. His fiction's excellent, Daniel. Like I, I hope I think you're in for a real treat. Yeah. Yeah, I. You know, I just wanted to note literally two little things before we go because I I really wanted to make sure I I put it in there. There was there was two scenes that that just really punched me. Um, one was when the man has, 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 whose children have died, has to come to the, the fire station to get the report. Oh, they and just, yeah. everybody and they just there knows yeah. this is the dude whose kids just died. Not just his kids, they, like his whole family, right? They, right. Yeah. They, 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 they have to draw the line. Yeah. Um, and, and they, they, they don't go hug him and give him condolences. They, they continue they pretend he's not there. Essentially, they're playing they're cards, playing poker, yeah. and he's just sitting there, standing there rather, with his hat and in his hands. I, I mean, it, it couldn't have been more, you know, Dickensian or whatever, you know. And 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 we're and and I'm reading that, and I'm like, how many times? Into a to usually a much lesser degree, of course, ha- have you been confronted with that where where you have to make the choice to 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 put up a wall there like this is where i have to because if i invest myself in your life i'm invested in your life forever mm-hmm. you know i i just i don't know if if that struck you guys but that was one that that i i highlighted so that did strike me and i was like surprised that larry brown didn't like he wasn't the one that went up and right. like offered his condolences or um, given the persona he's crafted yes yeah. um but i've I feel that that's just one snapshot of of all of the horrors that he's seen, right? And right. Where, so, to, to use your words, like, where do you draw the line? Are you are all of these people going to be in your life forever? You, yeah, you know, you can you, you, you know, you can you get um, it's you know, it's 
what nurses go through, doctors, you know, compassion. Yeah. Um, oh shit, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, when things wear away, compassion. Uh, oh, I haven't heard uh, it. Uh, I don't know that I've heard the term you're looking for, to be honest with you. When you've given too much, you know, it's like it's, there's a term for it. I can't think of it. Okay. Desensitization? You, you've overextended yourself in yeah. some way. And, and yeah. Yeah. You got nothing left for yourself or your fatigue, family. Fatigue, compassion, ones. fatigue. Jesus. There you go. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, and, and to me, my, my note was, this is very similar to teaching because you, obviously, we're, we're talking about different degrees and different instances, but like you could legitimately get involved and, and care really deeply about so many students and worry and, and have that on your shoulders in a way that's overwhelming. You have nothing left for yourself or anyone else. And not very healthy for anybody. No, it's not. It took me a long time to learn that. Yeah. It it probably took me about six or seven years to really learn that because Welcome to Nick Gregorio one oh one on one on one oh one. This is like me. Like I, I I Your new position is perfect for that then. Yeah, right. <laughs> Jesus. No, it's it's very it's very difficult to feel all day and then to feel anything after that. Yeah, man. It's it's it, and that was really like Wow, you you really you have to draw a line in this, even though it's so. And the the thing is, is like you're t- you're talking about humans, so they get it because they do the same thing. I've never been a firefighter, but I get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and 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 that I thought was pretty pretty profound, as well as um th- this that that scene where they they bring the dog back to life. And oh my god, like, I loved that scene. Oh my, god. and it's juxtaposed to all the like ignorance Horror. that caused the fire like it was just asshole ignorance that caused the fire <laughs> and you can't save people from that sometimes but the dog is an innocent so it gets saved mm-hmm. i just I, I and it's real you know it's fucking real and that is very real you know to every degree and and i i, I was just moved by that as well yeah all right uh yeah. any 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 other final thoughts on 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 that I I love Larry Brown. I've been reading him for a long, long time. Um, He's excellent. And I, and I would encourage um, many people to not everyone, many people to read him. Um, He's he's really great. This really reminded me a lot of Bud Smith's work, which is his memoir and working in um, heavy construction. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, he's a machinist, right? uh, Heavy construction, which means like a lot of things, but he, yeah. I think he operated a huge crane. Yeah. Oh, so he's Tom Cruise from War of the Worlds. Yes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and he does live in Jersey City, so I think that uh right. <laughs> that might actually yeah. be exactly who it is. Um but that reminded this like immediately reading this, I was like, Oh, that's the same voice. That's the same just natural storytelling about um salt of the earth, kind of blue yeah. collar work. Um a yeah. little bit of humor. Yeah, and I, I I do Good believe, humor too. Really I do funny you stabbed stuff. Stabbed yourself in the leg. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do prefer uh, Bud Smith's work over this. I think the book works. It's funny too because they 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 do share that and 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 yet that that sort of sweetness and thoughtfulness is there too. Because yeah. I remember I I had a poem about youth and 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 first love and stuff and Bud sent me a message on twitter it was like i really loved your poem uh x and y reason oh and nice I was like i don't i'd never met him i don't know him 
but it was like what a sweet thing to say about a sweet little thing you know yeah well ted said his uh his uh testicles was caught in a post hole digger and still the person on the phone didn't get it his balls ted said <laughs> ted's trying to be yeah that's that. that's from on fire that's from live browns on I, fire yes i'm gonna leave you i'm gonna leave uh oh i'm sorry nick did you have final thoughts or did you already say yours i thought no i got mine in I'm okay yeah, i'm done so so uh my mine is this and um it's something that uh crosses my mind quite often uh, this is from this is from on fire I knew I was still over six hours away from home, and those six hours had to be gone through and lived through, and there wasn't any way to shorten them. Oh, they love that That was line. great. That, it's great. That is total uh, Hemingway copping right there, though. That, I'll that tell you rhythm, what, man, the, I, don't, I didn't yeah. give a shit. I really didn't give a shit because it's excellent. the way excellent. that it's, it's, it's set up, and, I, and you're absolutely right, but like the, the, what he, how he sets it up and he – he quits the class that he's going to make a few bucks in mm-hmm. because the dog died and his family's in a wreck and he sits there and he can't get home early. So he just has to sit and fucking wait before he can see the people he loves the most. And those hours have to be done. Yeah. It, 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 it's so funny because the first thing that jumped to my mind was stand up comedians. They do their time. Right. If you have fucking 15 minutes, you stand up there 15 minutes. Even if you got nothing left. Right? And you finish it. Right. And we make all of these battles. We make all of these 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 sort of scenarios all all the time that that and, and time is sort of the biggest thing. Time is time is our our most valuable asset that we all have. And we we we, we sometimes are so overwhelmed with 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 pain or anger or sadness that we will break off that most valuable thing we have and, and fucking and throw it away and just suffer in it um and 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 we know that after however long it'll go away and it'll be done uh but but we but we suffer it i I don't know that just i don't know it struck me no that was a good Um, line great line great Great way to end all right let's move forward yes sir we are uh we are getting into the the music pick and uh, and of course uh this is alcoa's Debut album, uh, Bone and Marrow from 2013. This is the uh, the side project of um, the uh, the singer of uh, Defeater, correct? Yes, sir. Yep. Um, and but this is more of like an alt country kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and it's f- it's it's interesting because you have you know bands like the Bronx that have Mariachi El Bronx as their sort of alt thing that's different. Um, you have uh, a number of uh, like you have. I mean, look at Slipknot's an example too. You had the lead singer do uh, Stone Sour, which was mm-hmm. like a more melodic whatever. Um, and then you have these guys doing this sort of like all uh, country thing. Um, yep. So so uh, you know, jump us in, Nick. Tell us tell us uh, a little bit about this band and this album. Sure. So um, I obviously I listened to Defeater first. Defeater. Is really cool. The the guy that does Alcoa and is the least singer of of Defeater is a storyteller himself. All of the Defeater albums are concept albums, um, nice. and they have a central storyline. And um, whether or not you can follow it from a man screaming into into a microphone, um, you know that's up to you. I mean, there's liner notes. You can fucking get with it. Um, but um, I love it when really 
brutal bands do something really soft. Um, and I bought this album because I very much loved um, I'm Wide Awake It's Morning by Bright Eyes. And I love sort of that alt country folk stylings of people that really don't have any business doing that, but do it anyway, <laughs> which is pretty cool. Um, well, I think Connor Oberst is is well designed for that. Well, he he fell like, into the, the country line. You know what I mean? He fell into it. Like at first, he was like, "Well, I love." He was singer songwriter Elliot Smith, kind of. Yeah, he and then he own. he fell into. But the I would argue that Desaparecidos is his. Whatever this is, like it's the reverse weird, weird thing that he doesn't. Yeah. have any business doing where he's screaming sure. yeah, and fucking, yeah, I, guess I guess you're right you know like that's um, it's it's funny it's the absolute reverse in fact yeah he, it is. he's he's better as uh well not better but like we know him and he seems to really excel as bright eyes but then when despair when he's doing punk essentially <laughs> super groups yeah, that shit, shit is awesome he, uh, that's uh, one of my favorite albums of all time in case yeah buddy carry on um anyway so I, I chose this album for this for this particular episode because um even when i first listened to it I, I loved turning it on like a medium volume and just driving uh, at dusk. Um, and not that it was particularly interesting music. It just created a mood um, and had some really nice hooks and sang songs about drinking and, and, and feeling sad. Um, and it struck me and I thought that was particularly um, fitting for this episode. Do you think that Larry Brown would listen to this? I do not think Larry Brown would listen to this. <laughs> well, because he says Leonard Cohen's easy. Yeah, top. he was into yeah. some good stuff. That's yeah, what yeah, messed. Yeah. That's what messed me up about Larry Brown. I was all hating him, and then he's like putting on Leonard yeah, Cohen. He, I was like, "You son of a bitch!" Knocks the, <laughs> knocks the playlist out of the fucking park. Maybe that. Yeah, dude had some taste. Maybe you were a nice guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> and Otis Redding, that was the other one in that. Yeah. 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 No, this pick was mostly for the the vibe, the the country vibe, the Americana vibe that I was trying to put together yeah. for this particular show. Well, let me just yeah. let me just say this really quick though. Um to be fair to Larry Brown, um there are Rage Against the Machine fans that are now against Rage Against the Machine because they finally realized that they were <laughs> And that is some of the dumbest yeah. shit I've yeah. ever heard in my life. So maybe Larry Brown you know, he just wasn't oh getting it, you know? <laughs> so who knows? All right, moving Holy on. Holy shit. Ah, oh, man. Um, yeah, I... I, Man. Um, used I to really love your suffered. music. I, I, what did the guy tweeted? I, I really used to love your music until you started getting political. Like, that was always. <laughs> did you not look at the cover of the very first album? You, have you heard Gorilla Radio? You just lost a fan. <laughs> Whoa, dude! I, I don't know. I I I'm not even gonna. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's, yeah. How many people just like don't actually listen to lyrics or or, or give art a chance? They just fucking want to be a part of what's cool. Uh, dude, I was at a propaganda show not long ago. Propaganda, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> propaganda. Well, that's how they, they were say doing, it, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, they say propaganda. Yeah. Hey, hey, uh, hey, you dummies. Anyway, um. The dude in the front kept telling them to stop talking about politics. <laughs> and I was like, have you ever listened to propaganda? 
Yeah, dude. I I listen. I um, I really don't don't want to be harsh here, but I I I could not could not stand this album. <laughs> I, I didn't I, think you'd be able to I like it. I couldn't. I couldn't really stomach it. I I suffered through a lot of it, and and I just I um, I'll be perfectly honest. The thing that that I kept coming back to was like, there's there's so much better stuff like this, and so yeah. I figured that it must have been there's some sort of um uh you know like emotional connection or there's there's something more going on for the choice because um i just i was like is this is this like a this is like uh uh bootleg wallflowers or <laughs> or the national without any without any personality like i just it was it was so bland i saw nothing it is um, bland while You're i right. was listening yeah and so i thought maybe there was it was something like that going on and I, i'm sorry i i gave it I listened to it, I want to say, uh, probably like four or five times, just trying to really, like, what that can I... That seems excessive. What can I, well, because you know what the thing was? I thought it was something with me. I thought, like, it was the end of the school year, and I was burned, and I was I was not giving it as much of a chance as I should, so I kept trying to, like, get something from it, and um, and I'm sorry. I wanted to bring something to the table, and I literally have almost... I, I, I have, like, almost nothing, because I just... I, I, there was there was like nothing there, and I kept looking at reviews and and these different like it was it, you know people were giving it really high marks and mm-hmm. um I you know it was one of those things where I just reminded myself I was like you know Nick you're you are not the watermark of what's good uh, by any stretch of the imagination uh, so I, I, I me not liking it is just me not liking it but I could I could not get into it. That's understandable. And I'll be honest with you. I loved this album when it came out. I don't remember why other than I loved driving to it. Um, like when the sun was going down and it was particularly beautiful out. Oh, that's a montage. Um, and then as I was re-listening to it, I really loved the first track. And then the rest of it um, is is bland and whiny. <laughs> um, but it still has a, a place in in my heart. And I and I believe the vibe that I was going for was what I wanted it to be right, for right, this episode. Right. Let me yeah, read my so. prepared remarks on this. This is like <laughs> just please don't please don't interrupt because this this is a paragraph. It'll take a while. This is um my prepared remarks. <laughs> I I wrote like a, a a review, if you will. <clears throat> oh Jesus! Yes. Bone and marrow. Here we go. Buckle up. <laughs> <laughs> Bone and marrow by Alcoa sounds like someone got into their kid sister's Taylor Swift albums and tried to make a Ryan Adams record. <laughs> <laughs> the result is an onion skin deep look at aloneness and heartbreak that adds up to an impotent collection of mediocre songs that have a bland sameness and melodrama suitable for the ending montage of an episode of One Tree Hill. <laughs> Oh, I've got more. Oof. Every and there's more. Okay, oh, there's so much more. Wait. Every song swings big with a soft full band rock out that only serves to heavy-handedly let you know that Derek Archambault is feeling feelings and that you should be too. <laughs> the pedal steel guitar and Telecaster lines do not elevate the songs as much as they are just there 
so you know that this is a country record. Archambault's efforts would have been better served if we would have channeled his inner Chris Carabrera. It still wouldn't have been good. Oh, wow. But at least it would have been honest. <laughs> I will say this. Oh. The musicianship is studio slick, and I'm glad some pros got an easy paycheck out of this record, even if the residuals are probably non-existent. <laughs> Jeez. That was that, particularly brutal. Yeah. yeah that's, that's, <laughs> that was good. That said, I can see if this, this album was seven years too late. If this album came out in um, maybe, you know, 05, 06, right when the kind of Americana thing was really hitting. Um, yeah. Like, like, it, like fucking, um, this is what I was trying. Oh, I just remembered it. Uh, do, do you guys know the Gallows, the UK yeah. punk, punk band? Right. So, so do you know? Um, this was the comparison that I was like, I was literally trying to make. Like Frank Carter does Pure Love. The lead singer Frank Carter, the dude who gets in the middle of the pit, he's like yeah, 130 he's pounds, dripping wet. Violent, brutal guy the, ever. He brings the mic stand in and stabs people like it's a fucking cattle prod in the <laughs> middle of the pit. Gets in there and and that was. So so uh sort of like so much for him to know he had to take on every day even though he was the smallest dude in the band um that he then goes the other way and starts this band pure love and uh and it's so much better than this <laughs> that's that's kind of like but where i was at I, I was i was like i was like man imagine if he picked pure a bit uk it doesn't really fit um but yeah, like even even in Philly, we had that whole thing with like toy soldiers and stuff. I think it was called like Black Diamond Records or whatever that we had, where it was all this Americana mm-hmm. type music. And and um, I just I just I love that so much. I, I I remember playing with toy soldiers and being like, oh, these guys are fucking. This is cool. Like this is, and his voice. I think there's there's nothing distinct about this guy's voice, and that's the only thing that could possibly stand out. And the the lyrics themselves are also just just hallmark cards and i just yeah, it's, it's cigarettes and chasing beer with they're chasing shots with beer and it's what co- it's um, the it's, it's, it's like what countries pop. become yeah. you know and, yeah. and, and and country is yep. is just such garbage now um you, you know it's amazing that like because defeater is a unique sounding hardcore band like yeah they, i haven't they, I, I haven't checked them out so they blend a ton of musical like very beautiful music with progressive and brutal um, in, pre- prog- in in those songs. Like, and you wouldn't hear that from a typical like New York hardcore band or or something of the like. But they, they're they're unique. Also, they they have these story arcs that they do that are that are compelling right, in the and concepts. of themselves. Yeah, and it's it's really interesting that he would try and do something like this and have none of the originality of defeater yeah i mean it in that way it feels like is is this your like because that's the thing like this is this your your true self because when 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 people do like i never thought that stone sour was like the true self of the front man of slipknot i always thought like if you're in slipknot you're part of slipknot man you know (laughs) but uh, like max weinberg's son drummed for them for a while for Slipknot? Yeah. That's dope. That's fucking cool. I, 
Weinberg's the man. Uh, I I just, yeah, man. I don't know what to. I don't know what to say. Like it's just like this is this is who you really are, and it's a shame. But do the thing. That's I don't know what I don't know what to. I'm not gonna tell people what to do, but like. I it seemed like a passion project that he wanted to do. Um, is it a, is it a cash and, grab though? Because sometimes this thing is. A oh cash no, these guys cash are on. I mean, Defeater was on Bridge Nine. You know what I mean? It's just the, some small hardcore label. Yeah. Um, and then this came out. I don't remember what it came out on, but this didn't see like a a massive release. You know, this was on an on an indie label in and of itself. And he did two of these. Yeah. Um, but. Defeater has continued at a blistering pace of releasing music. So like, okay. it, it's just, it's just, this felt like a passion project that somebody said, Hey, we'll, we'll let's do it until it's not viable anymore. And then it probably didn't become probably stopped being viable after that second record. Cause there is nothing after that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't doubt it. I, um, goodness. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I, Sorry I, to disappoint. I yeah, I really I was. I just I have no other <laughs> words for it. Well, just because I'm I'm coming from the the references that I made, you know what I mean? Like those mm-hmm. the, that's what I had in my mind cuz I you know, I looked at I saw oh, what is this even about cuz I don't know it. And I, oh, it's a fucking hardcore dude doing a doing a a more um alt country type thing. Uh, that might be Frank Carter-esque or or whatever and um fucking wasn't <laughs> <laughs> so i that's in, that's, in that's my, my in, last i got <laughs> i yeah. wish i had more i i really felt like i was unprepared well, for this section in you know it, this season we we designed our own episodes you know what i mean and yeah. it was a good practice and um uh trying different things is where it's at and yeah dude. here we are yeah here so. we are for sure no I'm I'm glad to have seen what's out there, uh, and it fucking made me want to listen to Pure Love. So that's like that's what we always come back You're to, welcome. right? It makes us want to <laughs> go back to the thing that that we thought was the thing done well. So it's funny, Nick. Like as soon as I I was like halfway through, I was like, "Is it too late to tell them to switch to I'm Wide Awake? It's morning." <laughs> Oh, that would have been so fucking great. This cast would have been like four hours long, though. I know. That was I but, something from the, one of those songs was the, my number one played song of last year. Something was from, it Lua? On was it Lua? It wasn't. Um, mm. But in any case, Daniel, what do you got? I gave you what I got. Okay, that was yeah, really it. good, too. I, yeah. You were looking well at done. me. It's weird to not be in that the That review room was better than the album. Because you're, you're looking oh, at me that. like... Like uh, it's time to time to give old Dan the mic for a moment. Thought that's where we were headed, but no, no, no. I I have nothing more to say. You spoke your piece. You did. You did. Um, Let's say we drink some beer, gentlemen. Yeah. Let's okay. drink some gosh darn beer. Let's let's do it. Uh, pure. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> Two horseshoes linked. In a heart-shaped emblem. Uh, it's a W. That is, that is, oh, for the workhorse, of course. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that is, uh, that is the beer we're getting into here. Workhorses pure. Workhorses. Uh, is their original location the KOP location? 
Yeah, they opened uh, two years ago and a and started off with a huge tap room, uh, a massive production. Um, came out of the gate already canning, um, and they're widely available now um, in most um, beer distributors and supermarkets. Yeah, I mean they they make a really strong point to note that like Philly is very um sort of like experienced in the in the craft beer scene and so for them to start a new one and and try and get into it they had to like not really play any fucking games or pull any punches so i do appreciate that that like they're using quality ingredients because they're competing with fucking tired hands yep and yards and and philly brew company and I mean, just just in their backyard, there's a, there's a ton. So I am really excited to try this. Yeah, um, and the, the workhorse's um, whole mission is to do classic styles with a slight tweak and do it really, really well. Um, they they don't really go crazy. They have so they're the antithesis hate. of like a tired hands. Then yeah, like the, their their mission is to make really good drinking beer that everybody from Regular dudes at the bar to beer snobs will enjoy. That's a good move. That's a good move. Reminds oh, yeah. me of like 2SP. They're, they're in a similar Yeah, quite home, a bit. Like. Yes. Yeah. Um, Except so, yeah. in an operation that's like four times the size. It's wild how big this place is. Really? No shit. Yeah, it's, 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 it's huge. I, we got to get out there, I swear. But anyway. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, this is, so, um, This is pure. It's their... It's craft light beer. On the can, it says light beer, and that's it. Yeah, <laughs> with like with like a gray washed, just like rolling uh, landscape from the uh, the Dust Bowl era or something. Yeah, <laughs> um, and it's a real treat. So enjoy, my friend. Cheers. Yeah, I am. I am very excited to try this. Um, I'm I'm super intrigued as well. Because it says, inspired by the flavors, techniques, and ingredients of Japanese sake. Give it a so whirl, bud. Here we go. Down the hatch. Cheers. I am not having it. I am drinking a Yard's Pink. Wow. Isn't that wild, Nick? That is wild. Yeah. That's very difficult to describe. Yeah. Because, <laughs> <It is. laughs> for real, there's like, there's like a almost like seltzery cider like thing that happens in like a split second but there's but it's not all that carbonation either it's just that that sort of like almost like a ginger ale kind of initial Fizz. hit you know and then and then it's it's a, a a light beer with none of the the malt really that you you get from a typical light beer none of that like skunked right stank that you get from a white beer. This is what you want out of, you know, that first sip from a, a great light beer after a really long day. Yeah, dude. Like you just straight out of the tap. Insert insert fucking sport practice here if we're going yeah. along the lines of this yeah. cast. <laughs> and they just clunk a pint down on the bar or a bottle, and you take that first yep. sip, and it it is that first sip every sip. You're right. You've nailed it there. That's definitely what it is. It doesn't. Uh, it's still refreshing. It, by the, yeah. those last few hours, extremely. 
And this yes. is a pounder. I mean, we're drinking pounders here. Yep. And and, and it's shit. dry. It's it's crisp, and it's just. What's the ABV on that? It is four one point one. Nice. Four one. And. Yeah. Each can is only about 118 calories, so you can have a hundred of them, not get drunk, and not put on weight. I I think that, that you are sound fun. <laughs> really mistaken there. <laughs> I, I, you know what? And you were mentioning it today. One thing that I've noticed is, um, in trying to uh, put on my oxygen mask, as they say, first, and and take care of my my physical wellness uh, over the past couple months. Um, I get hammered, like instantly. Because anyway. you haven't been drinking enough. Enough. <laughs> I think. Yeah, I'm like, what is the? Is it that? Is it that? Is it? Is it the, the loss of poundage that used to store that or what? This is. Um. This is so refreshing, though. I love that you made that analogy because I remember after rugby practice, we used to always have a keg on the field of Golden mm. Best, which mm. is, you know, terrible. But like. Uh, <laughs> But you would get that, that, like you said, that first one was like a fucking pull off a hose, you know? Yep. It was, it's just, it's an indescribable taste on the tongue. It's cold. You feel that cold go down Damn, all the way it? to your belly. But this, you know what I'm saying? Like that, like, like a flat ginger ale that got mixed in with some water a little bit is at the, that's the finish on it. Is, yeah, is I, I, that must be the the sake ingredients. It's gotta be, man, because sake yeah. is definitely ginger. If it's not ginger, I'll be amazed. Yeah, I, I don't know much about sake. I should have looked it up myself. Um, but I have the internet, so I'm gonna do it. Uh, <laughs> but um, Daniel, let me ask you something. Uh, what is your uh? Because you know what's funny, the pink, while it's certainly a sour and has a little bit more uh, punch to it. Uh, it has it ha- it has some serious uh, similarities to this a little bit because it's not a high ABV and it's it's just a little bit more punchy with its uh, yeah. citrus tones. It's a spark. Um, it's a sparkling tart berry ale from Yards. It's five point five percent. Um, it's not like my go-to, but it came with a variety pack I had, and uh, oh, it's what I've got. Dude, I um, but I, I love the pink. Yeah, there is that the tartness kind of lets you. It's you're right. It's somewhere, but you you mentioned like a seltzery kind of cider thing with your workhorse pure that you're drinking. Yeah, and that. Yeah, this would be like a uh, a tart berry cidery seltzer thing going on. I I'm, I'm on board with that. Yeah, I think we're leaning more the ginger. You're leaning more the berry, but they're not too far off from one another. I bought. I think I bought like for my uh, bachelor party. I bought like two cases of pink. Yeah, and they were pretty much, other than the ones I drank, still there at the end of the party, <laughs> um, because <laughs> n- nobody knew what to make of it. Um, but it was, it was really good. Uh, so it's sugar, fruits, herbs, and spices um, that are typically heavily sweetened and not aged. Uh, there's no real sort of like distinct thing for sake. Why the fuck not? <laughs> I'm like seriously struggling to find the. Uh, Wait, why are you talking here? about like, sake? What's up with sake? Sake is is the 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 sort of foundational set of flavors and techniques that they use to make this beer. Oh, for the 
for the pure. For the pure. Yep. Yeah. Oh, that sounds great. So is that like a rice beer or what's going on? So sake, yeah, is a rice wine essentially, mm-hmm. right? So like that's part of it. But like I'm getting this and I'm trying to find to see if like ginger is involved in any of these things and not one sake ingredient list involves ginger. <laughs> it's that's weird. It's always rice, water, yeast, and koji mold, which I don't know. What's what that? that? Yeah, I don't know what that is. Do you have a list of ingredients for the Workhorse Pure? Is it on the can? Um, no, it just has a description. Um, and it, they, they, they make a note of highlighting the traditions and techniques and ingredients of sake. Right. But yeah. they're not making any allusion to, like, that's what they did for the beer. No. Let me take a little Google here. No. So, like, sake rice, for instance, is, like, not eating rice. It's only made for sake. It's only used for sake. And koji mold is the most foreign ingredient in sake to those outside of uh, Japan. How about that? It's like in, like, you, like, wouldn't have sake without it. Um, But it's just, like, sprinkled on the rice and, like, cured over a couple days in the mash and and yeah i don't know man because the rice is the sugar and the mold just like enhances the flavor of the rice i guess in any case yeah maybe what, it's a gingery thing who knows it tastes like a gingery thing to me i think tastes it's like delicious. a gingery thing i think yeah it's and delicious. and again we, we, this was you know um this is a really good take on a beer you have after a hard day's work. And Jesus Christ, it's so good. Drive around yeah, and town. To have the, to have the, save the kittens out of trees. The, <laughs> to have we the gall that. to make a craft light beer is yeah. pretty cool. And you know what? It reminds me of the Jim Blossoms, which <laughs> is also another band that's so much better than Alcoa. <laughs> And we could drive around this town. I'm having another one. Let the cops yep, chase right us around. Mm. It is really, uh, dude. I'll tell you what, man. This is a fucking light beer. It has a ton of consistent, delicious flavor. <laughs> yeah. still, I mean, it's one of my favorites that we've done on the cast. Wow. It's crazy oh, wow. How about that. It really is. I, I, um, I'm genuinely surprised as well. But it is really fucking good. And I'll tell you what, Nick, um, if you have Damn. any other workhorse beer, um, you, you're going to you're going to have you're going to enjoy it. Enjoy the hell out of it. It is one of my favorite breweries, period. It's my favorite in the area. Um, I'm part of the mug club. Like I just lo- I, I went I read books there when the bar is when it used to be open. Yeah. Um, it's just it's just a really wonderful place, and they make excellent, excellent beer for literally everyone. Yeah, dude. Um, I'm. This was a great introduction. This 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 hooked me line and sink. I'm glad. Next, you'll have to try the uh, their hazy lager, which is maybe Ooh. the most unique beer I've had. Period. That's interesting because to lager it, it, it has to stay cold the whole time. Mm-hmm. And the haze doesn't usually... It's got that haze funk, haze. but it's a lager. Mm. <laughs> yeah. mm. 
Interesting. Uh, yeah, there's there's not enough good things I can say about this beer other than I'm I glad think you everybody should try it. And I'm not even a huge fan of ginger, but this and it may not even be ginger. Maybe that's why I really like it. I don't know. But that's the nearest flavor I can equate to this. It is so goddamn good. You know, <laughs> it kind of makes me, you want to replace like um, the Miller Lite in your cooler for a party, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I don't ever have that in my cooler, but um, <laughs> you know, maybe the price tag's probably a little different, though. <laughs> maybe, oh, it certainly is. Right? Yeah. I maybe you know what? I'd split. I'd maybe get one rack of Yellow Bellies, and then uh, a case of this. Have and, you and, and do that, that? Have you? That's a hell of a party, right there. Have you right fellas there? had the uh, yeah. Dogfish Head, the um, their locale IPA? I have not. I feel like that's actually what it, it might even be called. That's ninety calories for a twelve ounce can. Whoa! Um, <laughs> it's got a dude jumped. Yeah, it's it's worth. <laughs> you can have a hundred of them. It <laughs> <laughs> won't get drunk. <laughs> won't get drunk. <laughs> get drunk. Hey, anyway, that's worth checking out if you're if you're in. Uh, I, I, it seems like low ABV, low calorie beers are uh, kind of been around for a little while. Yeah, man. I think since, they're making a comeback ever since the um, the uh, Lagunitas and and founders, the founders all day, and the Lagunitas. Well, uh, that started like the whole session daytime. Phrase. Yeah. Well, th- I mean, that's that's essentially what what you're dealing with there, right? But they're all IPAs. Mm-hmm. They're just <laughs> low ABV IPAs. I'm just thinking, like last year, we had the uh, you know the explosion of of the hard seltzers. You know, people. It seems like the masses, their tastes, they yeah. they want to they want that light beer. Aesthetic. They want to get real drunk, but they don't want to feel fat after. Yes. Yeah. Well. Yeah. That's or you want to like drink it. a lot without getting super fucked up off of. You know, two beers. Yeah. yeah I, I just don't get why people don't drink more hard alcohol then. Like, just split the, you know what I mean? Split it yeah. up. Split well, it I up. think that's more of like a time investment to acquire a taste for hard liquor. Because, you know, it takes some time if you're not, you know, taking a shot. What else are we doing in quarantine if yeah, not but- developing a taste for hard <laughs> liquor? I mean... <laughs> I could name you uh, if that tequila is an anejo, a reposado, a blanco. <laughs> I will give you the rundown, brother. Come on. I've been will... watching a lot of Godzilla movies in in quarantine. What does that have to do with hard alcohol? Jesus. <laughs> what I the was just commenting. Where the fuck? <laughs> Fucking guy. <laughs> we were. I just we're had two in, cans we're in a of pure section of the show <laughs> for four years. You're familiar with this section of the show. <laughs> no, Focused on alcohol. In any case, my final thought is: is this is this is really something special? And um, I mean, I can't say enough good things. It really is. It's one of the best beers I've had on the cast, and we have had many fucking outrageous beers. I'm um, very happy that you liked it going? because you, uh, you redeemed yourself from the music choice pick. I'll <laughs> say that with this, you, you're 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 batting you're batting average went up. <laughs> damn, damn right. No, I'm glad I'm glad you enjoyed it, and uh, hopefully we can go there together soon one day. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm way into that. Daniel, uh, uh, closing statements on the pink. Uh, oh yeah, on the pink. I like it fine. Again, it's not my go-to. <laughs> it is exactly you know, what it is. I was blown away the first time I had it. I really thought it was a beautiful mix of like a beer and a sour. Yeah, there's not much 
out there like it. But if I want a sour, I'd I'd rather just have a sour. And if I right. want this kind of sparkling thing, I'd <laughs> I, I'd rather just have like a, a dare I say a white claw or something like that. Right. Yeah. 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 No. I feel like you could pour that into some champagne and have a good day. Mm. All right. Know? I'm on board. Yeah. Maybe put a little frambois in it. May or may not. That is the frambois. This is what I'm saying. Oh, this is like a this is like a frambois light. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And you pour that in with for a little tea some, party. Uh, Get some champagne and finger sandwiches. I may or may not have done that a few times. <laughs> um, <laughs> Gregorio, what are your final thoughts, my man? My final thoughts are uh, Pure is is a terrific light beer. It can it, it'll replace the the shit that you put in your cooler. And also, if you are in the Philadelphia region, um, Workhorse Brewing it does have they made their parking lot into. A beer garden in which you can reserve spaces for you and yours that are um, healthily distanced from everyone. There's a lot of space there. Make your reservation. You buy your beer. You hang out for two and a half hours. You should do it. It's a real treat. Nice. They give you blocks, like time slots that you can do? Yeah, you can go on their website and you just pick the time that that suits you best. And they give you like a a map of where you would be sitting so you'll know where you're going. Um, I dig it. You pull your shit up and you can bring games. You can bring music. Enjoy yourself. I dig it. That's cool, man. That's really yeah, cool. Awesome. So uh excellent. I um you know it's 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 funny. Very recently, I wanna say the beginning of last week, I started thinking about sort of like what we need as a as a species right now. Um to sort of countervail what we're taking in uh and and my answer was a quiet novel um i read the um uh, uh, i read the namesake by lahiri and i remember thinking god damn like how beautiful is a quiet novel just to exist in 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 a life for a while you know and and, and not be inundated with the blood and the and the and the the sort of like extremity of life you know like a novel doesn't have to be extreme it can be this um and it was interesting to in the midst of that be engaged with this and 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 read the memoir of of a man who lived in a place that was close and small and safe for all intents and purposes because that that idea of what humans need do we want freedom or do we want safety and do we sacrifice one for the other um i don't know these things have been sort of pinballing around my mind for the past couple weeks and and to be reading this during that was a was kind of really a profound experience and it was it was it was very interesting to to consider like just the notion of time and 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 what goes by and and what we choose to do with it and um you know some people are choosing to make really delicious beer to, to make people happy. And some people are, are uh, choosing to leave behind a career of saving people to, to write stories for us to enjoy. And I don't know. It's just, it just really, I felt like a gauntlet was thrown in a way and, uh, and we're presented with first coping with this and then figuring out what we're going to do from there. So um, I thank you for, for kind of like uh slowing me down a little bit i think that this book while it did have blood and gore and stuff was was actually a slow sort of thing uh and i think that's really important right now to 
to slow down for a moment um, because if you keep looking, you you're oh. you're, you're not going to see much in a minute. And that's my thoughts. Oh, I'm glad you liked it, buddy. I don't know. Those are good thoughts, Thanks, man. Um, yeah. Do you have a rating system, Daniel? I do, and I'll go first. Um, I give Larry Brown's on fire out of point zero eight over the legal limit. Breathalyzer <laughs> test. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh man, knocking it out of the park, kid. Yeah. Uh, on fire gets point zero six on the breathalyzer. <laughs> Right on. Eight, eight's good in this. In this, this uh, eight's good in this. Yeah, yeah right. No, I got you. I'm yeah. with you. Um, I give Alcoa's bone and marrow. Um, I mean, I, I don't stone cold sober. <laughs> yeah, but like even more than that, you know, like yeah. they are they they're they're card carrying members of the abstinence movement. <laughs> <laughs> they got X's on their hands. Yeah, <laughs> and I <laughs> and I give. They're, you're taking an axe to a few kegs. Yes, they have. And I give the pink um, point zero five. Oh, that's that's it's it's not no, bad. It's good. It's not bad. It's you can't have more. The thing that we learned was you really can't have more than like two. I don't really want more than one. It's just the flavors and you know. <laughs> anyway, that's <laughs> well. No, some beers are like really good, and you're like, man, no, this is. I need to either split this with somebody, and that's all we're getting. Right, you know, like the like the um, golden monkey or sour monkey or something. Like, yeah, uh, I always find I split those. Um, all right, I'll go. Uh, I'm going to go in reverse order um, for no reason, but um, I, uh, I I'm giving a dude giving the the pure point point seven deuce. Uh, point, it's, <laughs> it's up there. Point zero seven or point seven? Because that is there are two point different things. What we're talking. Point, <laughs> 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 You've died. Point uh, <laughs> zero seven deuce. Um, yeah, it's um, it's it's fantastic. There's there's really nothing nothing bad to say about it whatsoever. And it's kept like I'm at the bottom of this pounder, and it's kept the same sort of. Sparkling effervescence. That's good to know. <laughs> yeah, uh, and so I'm gonna, I'm gonna then, uh, I'm gonna go, of course, to uh, Alcoa's Bone and Marrow, and I, I'm gonna echo Daniel's sentiment. And this is this is a stone cold, just just sober as fuck album. Um, <laughs> yeah, just just there's nothing there. It's um, can't say enough bad things about it. It's primer, baby. It's just primer. Um, paint over it with something, anything. Jesus and put anything Christ. on top of it. Move on. Uh, move on. But, <laughs> it's fucking primer. Uh, but on fire, on fire, I give um, a solid um, point zero seven. Nice. Uh, I, I thought it was. I thought it was really. You know, it was in, in the time that I read it. And also, um, the thing that I always think about is is how 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 much did I start thinking about it? You know, like it, it, how much did I consider his choices and this and that and the third and, and and I could go on and on about that. And the fact that I have that much to work with for such uh, seemingly simple and, and straightforward prose, I think, is says a lot about the author. Yes, all right. Well, <clears throat> so this is this is uh, not my favorite 
Larry Brown. However, um, it's very, very good. I'm going to give it a point oh six eight. Is that a that's a good right? That's a good yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's Pigs very are good. Round that it, up to a seven, but you know, <laughs> right? Um, it's it's one of those books that made me want to get back to work. Um, mm, it's also one that made me point. want to read more. So it's a writer's book. It's also a reader's book. Although I imagine people who are into the memoirs that they can find on the front table at Barnes and Noble probably will find this a bit lacking um, in terms of what they're used to. But it is uh, a real. It this is this is a memoir. You know what I mean? As opposed to the things that you'll find. Um, on the top 10 lists of things. You know, it's funny because I actually thought I made a note and I don't mean to interrupt you, but there was, um, uh, but I basically will. there's, there's Stephen King's on writing, right? Yeah. Which is mm-hmm. the writer's memoir and stuff like that, which is fantastic. Th- this is, this is somewhere in, in between those. Like, like, like it's, it's in between on writing and, um, and, and the one you gave me, Daniel, the poetry one, um, I think it's right in between those. Right on. Right on. Um, For Alcoa, if this were the day I put it on my turntable, I would have given it a .08 because chances are I was a little drunk. Chances are I was very sad, and it spoke to me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Listening again, um, that's a that's a .01 right there. Um, that's, uh, you drank your Coors Light a little too fast, but it's time to head on home. Um, (laughs) and then for Pure, um, Workhorse is great. So this is actually really difficult. Um, I'm going to give it a .07. Nice. Uh, it's, it's, it's excellent. It's crisp. It's refreshing. Um, it's exactly what a good beer should taste like. And after a hundred of them, that's where your blood alcohol level will be at. Exactly. Exactly right. right. You can have a hundred of them, not get drunk or get fat. Well, listen, not legally anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, the book. The book I was trying to think of was uh, "What Poets Are Like" by Gary Soto. Oh yeah. yeah so yeah. I I feel like uh, Brown's um, "On Fire" is in between. Like if Soto's on the bottom, Brown's on fire, and then Stephen King's uh, "On Writing." Nice. I, I feel like that. That that's that's the. The peanut butter and jelly sandwich of memoirs that I uh, that I'm calling upon, gentlemen. It was uh, a fucking blast. This is a good one. What um, I want us to 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 sign off with. What does it mean to be a, an American writer? You don't sign off with that, Jesus. <laughs> That's a whole other show. Yeah, I'm not even gonna. I'm not even going to uh, dabble oh, in the parlance. I thought it would be that awesome. I thought it would be that awesome that you. I would get both of you. My point was to have both of you. You're looking at me on my the meat right now to look off in separate ways. Like <laughs> fuck. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. I'll, what I, I, I'll give you this. I'll give you this. I'll give you one. All right, give me, um, give as me an one. American really, writer, because yeah, on the on the fly, I love on the fly gun to your fucking head questions, and this is this is it. You, so, Nick, before um, Gory, before you start, you know that Mahalik has got probably like a fifteen minute thing on this already. I do. I'm going to keep it quick. Don't yeah. worry about it. I thought of it right now. I thought of it right now. I was literally just going <laughs> to sign off, and it came to my fucking head. So I'm in seems the same like boat. a worthy thing we should jump into then. 
Here we go. Um, what it is to be an American writer today, it's to take a stand in the very way that you need to and do so the right way. Uh, what it means to be an American writer today is to be honest and not a dickhead. Big time. Absolutely. Uh, I echo those sentiments, and I would say what it means to be an American writer is to be uh, um, reflective uh, and critical of the past um, with a eye to uh, improving the future and, and planting that tree whose shade you won't enjoy. I like it. All right. So we've uh, drank some American beer, we've read some American authors, and listened to some American music, and um, we are going to go to Russia in Cirque juxtaposition <laughs> next time <laughs> with the master and margarita, baby, baby. Uh, I, am so, I could not be more excited. I am so excited. Gregorio, um, you just put a book out. Talk to us about that before we hit them yes! socials. Oh, um. Uh, yes, I put a book out. It is a collaboration of fiction and poetry with my dear friend Francis Delario. Um, we covered each other's work, so um, I took ten of his poems and turned them into ten stories, and he did the exact opposite. Um, it's called With a Difference. It's from Trident Press. It is available anywhere books are sold, but you should, in fact, buy it from the publisher, Trident Press. They're in Boulder, Colorado. And they're wonderful people. Always buy um, it from the publisher or yes. your local brick and mortar. Come on. Exactly. Um, so it is, I think it's like 16 bucks. Forget I am, one. I literally go to my mailbox probably four times a day. I'm waiting for my copy <laughs> still. Just like, clink, they clink, are in the mail clink, now. Clink. The, the hardcovers have gone out. Yeah, I got um, a receipt uh, a little while ago and I've just been yep. clink, clink, looking. Yep, They're, it's coming, baby. It's coming. Awesome. I uh, I am certainly going to at the next cast um, begin by asking you a few questions about that puppy once I've read yeah, it. Yeah, let's do that. Oh, that would sound that would be a lot of fun. Hit us with them All socials. Right. Give us those socials. Okay. All right, folks. Thank you for listening, and make sure you check us out on social media at facebook.com/slash/bookrecordbeerpodcast on. Instagram at book.record.beer and on Twitter at bookrecordbeer. Uh, we are on iTunes and SoundCloud and make sure you listen to whatever's convenient and tell your friends. Tell your friends. And also, of course, everyone matters, folks, but right now, our black friends, families, and communities need our utmost assistance. So don't be a dummy and say something.